And welcome to the Two Medics podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors, mah.uk.com for medical accountancy needs and also to lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk for the best locum rates. Hello and welcome to the Two Medics podcast. Uh, my name is Thrusha Gunawardner. I'm a cardiology, cardiology registrar, so I'm specialising in coronary intervention. And I have a special guest with us today. Please introduce yourself. Hi, it's Mel Barrick. Uh, I'm a... What am I, Thrusha? Am I a consultant geriatrician or am I you're a registrar? You know you're a consultant geriatrician. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, do, you feel funny? do you feel funny saying that? No, you know what's really weird, actually? Um... I was acting up for a couple of months. Like, it's all a bit, the, the whole kind of like CCT thing was a bit, it feels a little bit all over the place because I uh, I kind of finished portfolio stuff and did the outcome stuff on the portfolio in December. And then I acted up for a couple of months. And then I've got my kind of CCT recommendation from the G- from the GMC and the Royal College. Uh, and it just, has, but I just have to do the time. So I'll finish up in September. So I just need to finish the time and then I'll start properly as a consultant, but then I acted up for a couple of months, um, which is kind of where it got a bit confusing because now I'm back down to being a reg. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, so I'm kind of in this weird middle bit, I guess, because, you know, I spent a couple of months being a consultant and now being a reg. Are you on the encore register? Yeah, so uh, I'm. So this month I've got a set of nights oh. um, and a weekend of nights and stuff. It's fine. Like, I suppose, you know, a last set of nights, one last hurrah, I guess, is the way. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like that about them? Like, it's kind of like a kind of, oh, you know, these are the last time, like, do, or do you, are you still, so I still dread nights. I don't feel like I've done them, obviously, for throughout my training, but I still feel kind of like jittery when I go in towards my nights. And to be honest, I feel like it's still quite a long way before I finish. So I don't, and my attitude towards them is still kind of, I still feel quite, I find them quite daunting. Do you feel like, because finishing is within like touching distance and you have all that kind of literally set out. Does it feel more comfortable? No, not really. Like <laughs> it's still like the uh, unknown of the shift, isn't there? That makes you feel yeah. a little bit anxious about the whole thing, which I think is like a normal emotion. Like you're, you know, imagine going to the cinema and not being told which film you're going to watch. It could be either mm-hmm. the most boring film in the world or it'll be extremely exciting and scary. I don't know. Yeah. It's, if someone said to me I didn't have to do the nights, that would be my preferred option. But right. I don't. I'm not feeling any differently about it. I just kind of want to get it over and done with now, to be honest. Because it's, yeah. you know, I'm just done being a reg. I think like yeah, yeah, having yeah. that little glimpse of consultant life was really nice. Yeah. yeah. Are you being a reg where you were acting up as a consultant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that weird? Yeah, that kind of makes it a bit worse, actually. Yeah. Um, but I think everyone's actually been really kind of good about it like my team for example so i'm now the reg of the team i was a consultant for and (laughs) so everyone's been kind of like everyone's been really cool about the whole thing actually and everyone's very like i know it's a weird thing to say but everyone's actually very respectful of the fact that i'm you know uh, a cct dredge yeah who is finishing and just wants to kind of do my time and like my f1 and sho have just been very kind of like yeah, you shouldn't be doing discharge now. You shouldn't be taking blood. We'll call you if you need, if we need uh-huh. you kind of stuff. Which I think is actually really, really sweet. So yeah, um, so being treated yeah. like a consultant and waiting. Yeah, yeah. essentially. I mean, I do probably a little less now because um, 
like when you're with the consultant stuff, you kind of have all your your activities planned out for you. But the weird thing is, is that you know I've been reg for seven years, and you know doing my SHA training and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of come into work, and it's all a little bit structureless, and you you, you know you kind of go where you're needed or you're on call. Yeah. And you're kind of a little bit all over the place, um, and you don't have a structure. And then when I started as a consultant and I had a structure, I actually felt conversely more free in my yeah, life. Interesting. Hmm. Um, because I knew what I had to do. I knew what my roles were and I wasn't asked for anything more than those things. Maybe because I was just acting up and people kind of just knew that I was, I was a new consultant, I guess. Um, but yeah, I felt more freedom within, within structure and I didn't realize how comforting having a bit of structure on a day-to-day basis was. Yeah. It's actually really nice. Um, so uh, I miss that, I guess. But. Yeah. I mean, like, that sounds good. So that's nice. I mean, um, when I seem to speak to a lot of consultants, though, when they talk about consultant jobs, they say something along the lines of, oh, but, you know, it's, it's, it is very busy. It's just in a very different way. And they make it sound like it's going to be even harder. But I guess... Do they mean like harder in a way, like what the the job role is? But I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like the kind of life aspect of it or the, the feeling of control is better. Yeah, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it, I guess, which is one way of looking at it is that you lose a safety net of having another yeah. consultant when yeah. you look after your patients and stuff. But categorically, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if other people agree with me or not, but being a consultant is so much better than being a reg. Like, yeah, so, so much better. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you have no idea. Like, not carrying the medreg beep is a good example of just, yeah, like... Right. And, like, so I just take post-take shifts and, you know, post-takes and patients and stuff like that. And um, it was so much better being consultant than being the reg. Yeah. And then I didn't realise, actually... I think I tweeted about it a couple of months ago. I didn't realise how much I felt my reg had my back. Hmm. And I guess that's probably maybe, hopefully that's how some consultants felt about me when they knew I was a night reg, for example. But like, you know, a couple of my night regs were like, one was an ST7. Uh, yeah. And I like slept really well because I knew they were like holding the fall. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was just really nice. It was really, really that's nice. Good. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing because I've, I've had that glimpse of, of um, uh, how great it, it was. Um, and then I'll start my substantive job next year anyway. So I've got yeah, a few months yeah. off and stuff, so I'll have a bit of time to kind of think about life and what I want and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, big congratulations to you, man. Well done for making it. You made it. Well, you've almost made it, but you're pretty much there. Well done. When do you finish? Um, 2037 or something is how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> Strictly speaking. Just another 15 years left. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Um, I feel like, yeah, I don't know, forever. Strictly speaking, my CCT day is August 2024. Okay. So that's still ages away. Still ages away. And then I'm probably going to do a fellowship. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, probably. Uh, which will probably be a year, maybe two. So it'll be ages. It'll be ages. I'm like a perennial. Uh, but you could just finish in 2024 and then. I, I think so. I don't really know. Um, I don't know. It will uh, go so quickly. I hope so. I I feel like I was an F1. Okay, not yesterday. I feel like I was F1. Okay, yeah, fine. I feel like I was F1 a long time ago. (laughs) When you see the F1s now, when you see the F1s now, I do feel like that seemed like such a long time ago. Oh, God. 
actually one of the one of the regs at work was my F one when I was uh, a first year reg. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the the medical students were asking me about nights, they were like, "Oh, you know, what tips do you have? You know, how are nights?" And I had so many things I wanted to kind of tell them. Like, I was like, yeah, I get really bad indigestion, but I think it's really good if you kind of like bank sleep before your first night. And I was just kind of, it was, it kind of took me back to when I was doing my F1 nights and how they were so much easier to, to do, as in in terms of physically. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. um, that last day, that last shift, I'd probably just try and power through the day. Sometimes probably go out in the evening figuring that, like, oh, you know, it'll help me sleep and stuff. And all I was going to say was after, like, 12 years of doing nights, I still haven't figured it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you sleep all day the day before? Do you get really no. drunk the day before? Yeah, so exactly. Know, do you sleep all day? Yeah, I definitely you know, don't know. Do I stay awake on Friday or do I go to sleep? I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. Do you do caffeine? Do you not do caffeine? Um, yeah, you know, I just, I just. Mm, oh, you know, I stopped yeah. kind of. I I started having dinner, and then not eating overnight, apart from like essentially what is something a bit paleo, like some just fruit and veg, and that's it. Yeah. And I found my happy place there. Okay. And then yeah. not kind of having any coffee after twelve. Yeah. Was the only thing that maybe, but you know, that was, I only that I only figured that out like three months ago. Yes, exactly the same. I used to do that. When I was an F1, I remember I used to kind of eat almost constantly through the night thinking that, you know, the act of eating would keep me awake. And then that was just terrible because I'd always feel really bloated by the end of my nights and just like, not very good. And um, so now I do a similar thing where, um, and I also try not to like drink too much after like 6am because I know that when I go to sleep in the day, then I'll just be waking up all the time during the day to pee. And I don't know. Blackout curtains are uh a godsend i think but um oh my gosh we've kind of gone off when um we should probably talk about some of the tweets and stuff and i should also explain that imran's not here he's been retweeting a few things he's doing some talks there. that's a pretty big deal for him radiopedia is like quite big isn't it like amongst radiologists have you heard of it do you have used it oh yeah i mean like when you like google stuff it's like the first thing that comes up but also yeah, it's got it's, is, it the, is it the website that's got all those like it has a chest x-ray and it has all the things kind of outlined in terms of what all the like things are on uh, that might be the radiologist page that's actually that's now sharma yeah yeah but um yeah imran's <laughs> doing that and i think he was pretty pleased with himself so you know um good that's awesome so um moving us on to like from the first tweet so we're going to discuss a tweet from tim ricketts and he said so that he tweeted a kind of picture of a scenario so scenario you are one of two doctors covering a ward of 28 Third doctor left at 12. It is now four o'clock. You have about two hours of work left, making sure weekend handover is done, etc. So are on course to leave an hour late. Family member calls about a patient that the third doctor is looking after. You have no idea what's going on with them. You offer to find the nurse who is looking after them. Nurse is on her break. You return to the phone and ask the family member to call back in 30 minutes. The family member asks you to go and look through the notes yourself and give an update. You apologise and say that you're unfortunately too busy with your own patients to give them the update they deserve. The family member states that they are a healthcare professional and they'd always go above and beyond in this situation. Then hangs up before there is a chance to respond. Do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, the hanging up thing at the end is a bit weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, if you were, I'm not sure. Do you know what? I, you know that weird that bit where they're like they're a healthcare professional. Um, and they kind of put that in at the end and then berates him 
for not going what they perceive to be going above and beyond and then yeah. hangs up before there's a chance before you can even say anything that's all just a bit odd isn't it in my experience, most healthcare professionals who call the ward or, or have family members in the, in the ward and stuff like that have always been kind of like quite respectful of like mm. how busy things are and like how stretched the system is. And, you know, we'll try to piece together pieces of information from lots of different places. But, you know, at the same time, like having a loved one in hospital is pretty stressful, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so part of me is a bit like, yeah, I, I, I kind of get why they were frustrated. But I think it was a lot, a bit unfair for them to put him. I mean, I think, did Tim say that this actually happened to him? No, he said kind of, well, it's uh, framed in a kind of third person way, isn't it? So maybe he, he's... Yes, one that. of, yes, yeah. one is one has been hung up on. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's just assume it's someone else. Um, but I think it's, it kind of reminds me of those MCQ questions where, you know, when you see the all, use of always... And whenever there's an always, that means that it's definitely false. And so when they say that they always go above and beyond, you know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, so it reminds me of that. But, um, but there's, I think the thing is, though, I, I don't think it, there's a, the, it was unreasonable for them to say to call back in 30 minutes, right? In 30 minutes in the scheme of things. Um, yeah, just so they could have a, an update that is less hurried and yeah. maybe that person knows where they're coming from but i suppose was the 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 the, to call back in 30 minutes was so they could speak to the nurse is that right yeah i guess so god it's really a twisting tale isn't it it is oh my gosh i don't know which way to turn well uh when it happens to well when i've done this when i've made the mistake you know like sometimes you bleep someone and then the phone rings and it's a family and you're like no no (laughs) um i do a thing where i go to the patient and say, and say, this person has called for you. Do you want to give them a message? And then I go back and then say, oh, they say this and this. So at least then they've had like a little interaction. So it makes it a little bit less terrible that you're being like, oh, sorry. Like, Trying to find what they perceive to be fobbing them off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At least they kind of got to relay a message. Um, but I mean, we had to do this quite... I don't know. Did you not find you had to do that quite a lot with COVID, like when COVID was horrendous? I used to, you know, find that so difficult when people like couldn't visit and then... Yeah, but we had, where I was working at the time, we had a really, I mean, there were so many people on the ward that we had, like, a very structured time and, like, timetables to say that we've, um, uh, that of who's been called on the ward and, like, ticking them off. Oh, and, that's you know. so good. Yeah, so it was all, like, really, it was quite well put together um, and... Yeah, a lot of the people who came to help, like, for me, COVID was, I was there to help make the decisions and look after sick patients. And then I had, like, a real support network of people who would be able to update families. Um, And then we'd have a little thing on the board to say, yeah, we spoke to this family, we spoke to this family. And actually, at some points, the family's like, why do you keep calling me every day? It's like they're on call, and you're like calling them. Be like the news are like four, and it was six. So yes, I've come, to, like I've come to give you an S bar over the phone uh, every day at the same time. Like, but I think some of the families probably update fatigue. They're just like, yeah, well, I yeah. God, yeah. But also, um, I think at the same time, the family's very understanding of how busy everyone was. Even though conversely, we had so many more stuff, we had so many redeployed people that the mm. workload actually seemed, obviously, it was much, much more manageable. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we were de- dealing with what is essentially a, 
Well, I mean, I was doing care of the elderly in COVID, so mm. we were dealing with obviously frail, multiple people with COVID, yeah. which obviously made things a bit trickier. But people were really understanding the whole situation. Mm. But I don't think I think that's changed a little bit now. I think people are a little bit more. Um, every everything seems a little bit more agitated. Everyone seems a bit more stressed, and I'm yeah. finding myself having to apologize for impossible situations recently. Like, why is the package of care not started? I'm like, yeah. don't know. Like they're like, why have you not spoken to social services? Like, well, I do, but I can't force him to do his stuff. So, yeah, in a do way, you... like this situation that he has, where he said that he's apologized, is you know, like I find myself apologizing for situations that are completely out of control all the time at the moment. Are you finding that that's not just within medicine though? I just find like in life, like everyone just seems like a little bit more angry, and the kind of people just seem a bit shorter. Or is that just? I don't know, maybe that's just me. But I just feel like people hmm. are more kind of vocal about stuff they don't like now and people are much more likely to like shout stuff out in the street. I don't know. I feel like people are people are like angry. are you being harassed on the street? <laughs> no, I'm like, screaming at you. <laughs> yeah, no, well I'm just thinking of like stuff that's happened like I've just noticed that I feel like there's more road rage, or at least I've seen more road rage. And I just feel like people just seem meaner these days, but I don't know, maybe um I don't know. I mean, I live in London and everyone hates each other. Everyone's always hated. Yeah, Historically, yeah. everyone's always hated each other. So that vibe yeah. hasn't changed. Yeah, that vibe, that's, that's just London. Uh, that's just like, yeah, you know, everyone just treats everyone with a little bit of disdain. Like, have yeah, you ever maybe. smiled on anyone on the tube before? Like, you know what? Yeah. I actually, going up in London and stuff, I used to kind of like that about, you know, just like people weren't, you know, maintaining eye contact and stuff is hard enough as it is for me. But um, so I kind of liked it. But, um, what, smiling I, at people randomly on the show? No, not, not making eye contact and just kind of like just doing your own thing and not feeling like anyone's watching you because you're on, the, you're on your phone or whatever. But I do smile at people. I do. Well, oh, well, here's a question. Do you know your neighbours really well? Yeah, actually, quite well. Like as in yeah. if, if you had a package, yeah. they'd pick it up for you and vice versa. And... Yeah, they're, they're actually really cool. In fact, our next door neighbours, they're, they're, yeah, so they're uh, on either side. They're both like in the... 60s 70s and uh, they're really cool actually so like at christmas they'll get our children presents and stuff oh that's cute yeah and like um but i think this this is partly from the see my, my parents are next level as well and um I, I like when we moved in my dad was like you know your neighbors i don't i think maybe it's like a kind of village mentality or whatever but like i i remember like thinking from like my pops like oh we should like whenever lily bakes stuff we take it we give it to the neighbors because like well like, you know and so yeah we actually know them quite well do you know your neighbors uh no not really um there's a conspiracy going around at the moment where we think someone's stolen our one of our bins oh no way what yeah, like which uh... is and irritating yeah how can they steal a whole bin though well okay well one theory is that the bin men accidentally just put it outside another door okay but obviously because it's london we now think it's kind of entrenched in a murder mystery and they're being met <laughs> yeah probably obviously the wheelie bin thief a new limited series on Netflix, yeah. I've got to say, I mean, like, living out, so living in Suffolk, people are a bit more kind of old school, I guess, compared to, like, London. And my parents, one of the neighbours is completely, she is, oh, my gosh, like, if you park, like, a tiny bit in front of her driveway, she'll shout out in the street. Like, I, I so, yeah, I, um, but I think living in Suffolk, um, it's not quite that bad, I guess. That's one positive, one tiny positive compared to all the negatives. Oh, yeah, imagine your abysmal Deliveroo radius. Oh, my God, it's it's horrendous. And literally, like, on Deliveroo... Well, it's not 
it's gotten better. So we can get Wagamama's Nando's. Yeah, you know, so it's not. But come on, man, it's not. But can you get like a Vietnamese at three o'clock in the morning? Like I apparently can do. No. We can get Jamaican food now, though. Which is quite oh, cool. Okay. Some patties. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of quite recent. Um, I really wanted to read out, though, Jamie Murphy's reply to this thing about, you know, like how this person said that they'd always go above and beyond and find out about the patients to give them an update. And so Jamie Murphy goes, yes, you should always do this. Even if the relative is called and the patient is in another hospital, the FO1 should cycle over there, update all family members <laughs> about patients they don't know, hospitals they don't work. Even patients <laughs> in other countries should have their relatives updated straight on Eurostar in a parade. <laughs> in a parade. <laughs> There's this real vibe though, isn't there? Like you kind of have to stop everything that you're doing. Which, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is to the detriment of everything else around you. You know, stop what Absolutely. you're doing yeah. and get this family member sorted out. And I wish we lived in a world where we weren't so horrendously busy that we could look after patients, do all their work, and then spend the afternoon talking to families and making them all feel great. But yeah, absolutely. Kind of not really the world that we live in at the moment. Yeah. Also, random shout out. Can I just say that I just think Tim seems like a really nice person. Yeah. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? After my like, Twitter break, he was the first page I went to. I don't oh, think no that way. correlates with, uh, with him being a nice person. Maybe that's because <laughs> I, just, I like the kind of stuff that he tweets. <laughs> yeah, he's quite funny, isn't he? Shall we, um, so there's another topic. It's now been deleted. So I won't mention the, uh, the poster, but um, it was about... If you got asked to submit a negative, no, if you got asked to submit an MSF, would you ever submit a negative one? I guess because we know what the kind of implications of that are or something, and it's anonymous. Oh, God. Let me think. Have I ever actually done a negative MSF for someone? I think I may have at some point have you? gentle <gasps> some gentle feedback about... Um, How did you do it? Oh, God. I'll tell you, maybe I haven't. You know. Well, okay. Why don't you frame it another way? Like, how about, do you know of someone else who might have conceivably received, like, negative feedback on their MSF? Yeah. And actually, <laughs> the person who always gets fed back. Well, I mean, I don't think, I think I have, I think I, I was trying to go through a phase where I was trying to give feedback. I was trying to make the feedback more worthwhile. And, right. I, you know, you could do an MSF and be like, they're amazing. Like, yeah. I want them to marry my daughter in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah, the dowry will be amazing because he's like, yeah. our world. But, you know, part and parcel of, and maybe there's a problem with, is with the feedback itself, which is it's become so ridiculously, it has to be so positive. It has to all be so positive because if you even put in one slightly negative thing, because everyone else is so positive, that you can't even be honest with your feedback these days. So, yeah, maybe I haven't actually, because I know people who've had negative feedback on the MSF and like it really like affected them actually. It is like it really really upset them. I can I can't imagine you do it. I mean, the thing is, is that like I don't know, it's difficult, isn't it? Because what happens is it's all anonymous, and then the only time it comes up is then when you're having that meeting with the educational supervisor, and like, oh, there's a banana skin. Let's talk about that from the person not entirely sure who left that. I mean, it's happened to me where someone's obviously just pressed the wrong button oh, really? um, yeah. and said they had concerns, even though it was all like, um, even though it was all really, really good. And then I had to redo it. And I was just oh. like, well, it's obviously the person just clicked the wrong thing, yeah. you know. But maybe that was my mistake because I got 35 people to do mine once. How many do you need? I can't remember. Is that 20 or something, isn't it? Oh, you need like, you need like, you need like 10. Mate, 35! <laughs> That's, 
Just show him off. I just, I'll just. No, I really want. Also, I really want like a real unicorn MSF response. Like, you know, like someone <laughs> right. that you never think would give you feedback. Like the person who works in in Silver Command. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. And he's only working Tuesdays and Thursdays, yeah. so your ability to get an MSF from them is like cut by seventy yeah, percent at sure. the very least. Approaching the volunteers and stuff. Yeah. And obviously, you have to like interact with someone at least twice to get an MSF. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> have you ever had that? yeah i mean yeah. i got i remember once it was kind of like written in this way which is like he's not known to be late very often and i was like hmm <laughs> that's like on my timekeeping uh, Teresha is neither good looking <laughs> yeah exactly it was like so that was a bit of a kind of like topsy-turvy one because of, oh i get that okay fine but um I think they've generally been okay. But like, don't you think the whole thing with MSFs is kind of a kind of rigged game anyway? Because you basically pick who you pick people or your mates with. Oh yeah, it's complete crap, isn't it? Mm. Like, you know, I, oh actually, the worst. I think the worst assessment known to man is the patient survey. Like, oh, it is. Yeah. Have you done it yet? Yeah, yeah. I've done, well, I've done it a few times because, like, I don't know. Uh, when it comes to up to ARCP, and also because I did lats and whatever, I've done. I've done two. And uh, people just like, circle stuff and they never write anything in the comments. Or if they do, it's kind of like very good. So one of my, so I did, I sent out like 20 patient surveys and I'm obviously not going to, like when I'm doing the survey, I'm like, if I was in clinic or I was giving them out, I was obviously going to give them to people who are coherent yeah. enough or not coherent, that's a stupid word, but like who could physically do it yeah. um, or be in a clinic where I was on my absolute best behavior knowing that the patient survey was going to be... So it's already biased. But one of my friends did a patient survey and she kind of just like indiscriminately gave them that to everyone. She did a ward round in. And then she kind of just put them into an envelope, gave it to a supervisor. And the supervisor then pulled out one and just said, um, this just says Merry Christmas on it. <laughs> in the middle of July. <laughs> oh. oh. And I was just like, oh, okay. So it is completely pointless. But yeah. I mean, all these kind of feedback mechanisms are, but... Well, here's another question for you, actually. Hmm. Have you have you ever given someone face-to-face negative feedback about their performance? Yeah. It didn't go very well, though. Um, have you ever met anyone who has given anyone negative feedback to their face in, in the, with the best intention to help, you know, to help uh, build them up and, you know, motivate them and help them succeed in their career and it ever go well? Ever. Yeah. No, no. It's I just don't see how you could do it. <laughs> I think it's really hard. Um, unless you, I feel, I feel like you can only really do that if you've got like a good relationship with the person to begin with. Because, and I think because I know that if I get negative feedback, I just take it, take it to the ne- next le- level. Like I'm the worst ever. I should just quit right now. I should just go home. There's no point. I can't. There's no point doing it anymore. I'm just, yeah. you know, um, I just, I know, I kind of go way overboard. Um, I mean, I did it once. I gave I gave a trainee some feedback that people on the ward had about them, hmm. and I had a good relationship with the person. Hmm. And it went, and you know all this stuff like like I've tweeted about stuff like this before, where you're like, hmm. oh, should you tell someone, you know, if they're not performing and blah blah? And everyone's always like, yes, I always tell them, I always do this, I you know, I always sit them down, I do this, and I do this. And I just do not know. A single interaction where, and in this one, it went so it went so badly. Like, 
even with the best intentions, even with all the positive feedback that, I mean, you know, I, I, I did it wrong. I did a shit sandwich, I think. And, you know, we know, actually, I think in modern psychology that the shit sandwich is probably not the best way of delivering mm. it. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, it went badly. But then, you know, when it goes badly in real life and then you can't give people feedback, honestly, on a tab 360, but if you feel it will affect their career. Um, so how, I mean, after that, how was your relationship like affected? Was it, were you still able to kind of... It was fine. I mean, it was, it was fine. You know, he, they went home and slept on it and, you know, it was all kind of okay in the end, I think. But the problem is that the, the problem was never with me. It was with other people. Mm. Um, so the risk of our relationship deteriorating was never particularly high. But, yeah, fair enough. You know, it, I'm not sure how, how well it went down with their relationship with other people. So yeah. I don't know. My whole thing was like where um, a kind of junior colleague had, has gone, had gone to like cannulate someone. I think it just kind of the, the scoring or whatever. And uh, I remember the nurse coming up to me the curtains were drawn, the nurse came out and she said, oh, I've just told him to stop because he tried like four times and the patient's getting really upset. And I said, okay, fair enough. And I think the nurses have been coming, like there have been like a pattern of behaviour where they I think what tends to happen is if they don't feel comfortable with someone, they just go to the other person, you know, they just stop asking the colleague to do stuff. And that's, yeah. how, that's what tends to happen with people who are perhaps not getting by as well as they should be. But it's interesting that you said about the, uh, you know, like everyone would, would come to you because unfortunately the way that we deal with, for example, trainees in difficulty or sometimes difficult trainees is that we compartmentalize them yeah. and then we isolate them and they feel more and more isolated and we give them less of the work to do or, you know, everyone just works a bit harder around yeah. them to get the work done rather than sitting down and saying, you need to be a little bit more on top of your workload. It feels a little bit unequal and... I don't know, who does it come best from? Does it come best from your peer? Does it come best from the consultant? Does it come best from someone who's a little bit more removed from it? You know, I have F1s telling me all the time, you know, I don't feel like that other person may be putting their weight on the ward or, or doing this. And they feel completely disempowered to say anything. So essentially what happens is everyone just works a little bit harder um, mm. to make up for it. And then you can't really honestly feed back to them. But I just don't think we kind of figured it out yet. I don't think we figured out how to constructively feed back in a way that doesn't make everyone feel like absolute shit yeah and the problem is that's, that's often because and we often forget don't we that people aren't trying like nobody wants to have the medal of being terrible right nobody wants to be seen that way even if they don't get like even oh, yeah, if they, not, yeah. yeah right like even if they've decided they want to be like some kind of professor in like some niche surgery and they're doing like a dermatology job or whatever like they still i, I imagine anyway they probably do care if everyone thinks they're absolutely rubbish and so yeah i guess that probably is why i don't know it's so tough. Um, we'll figure it out, though. We'll figure it out. We have to find a way. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so moving on, um, I guess to a slightly related topic, there was a, um, a tweet from Abby uh, where she talked about this MedReddit thread that said, have you ever wanted to get into an accident or be sick to avoid work? I didn't realise how common it was. I've had times in most jobs where I've thought, if I get sick, at least I'll be able to have a rest. Have you ever felt that way about a job? I mean, I will admit, uh, I did say to someone the other day, hmm. maybe I'll get hit by a car and won't have to do any of these night shifts coming up. Yeah, I felt like that. Like maybe get hit by a car in a way that I could meaningfully recover. Oh, like, really? I you know, I don't want to be... Okay. <laughs> like, I don't, don't want to be hit by a car and like, like die. 
Yeah. I don't really want to die. I'm going to, well, that feels like a weird statement to say. <laughs> no, uh, fair enough. It's good. Yeah. Um, I have, I have felt like that. Mm. I have, yeah. Um, and it might be something as simple as like, oh, if I get COVID, I can be off for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. If I get monkeypox, I can isolate for 21 days at home. Is it 21 that. days? Oh my God. Wow. So yeah, I mean, I thought that. it was. Uh, oh. Jamie Murphy will obviously... He's an expert. DM me for misinformation after. <laughs> yeah, like, how dare you? Uh, yeah, fair enough. But I did, um, I did, uh, I did think it was twenty-one days. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I kind of can't imagine anyone having never thought like that before. Mm. Can you? No, because some shifts you absolutely dread, can't you? Like you just, they're just horrendous, and so. But you still, you still go in. You still, yeah, you know, still do it. Smile on your face. Yeah. There's it's 50,000 people want to be seen. Yeah. yeah. You still Isn't go in, you still do it all. Everyone still, everyone still has an extremely strong sense of responsibility. Yeah, um, it's true. And I do think people kind of sometimes say it maybe a bit flippantly. Maybe they don't mean it as much as, as, they, as, they, as they think they would, I guess. Mm. Where was the tweet? I can't even see it. It's a uh, top uh, burnout. Uh, oh, you're highlighting it for me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> like an elderly like- man. <laughs> <laughs> well you know uh, but i remember thinking yeah, about uh, thinking about it a lot for finals oh my gosh but then i remember like when it was coming up to like the few days before i was like oh actually now it'd be a real shame for me if i got uh, hit by a bus having gone through all of this and i'm thinking if i were to have been hit by a bus i'd much rather it have been like a few months ago but now it's got too far i really don't want to get hit by a bus and sometimes I feel like that before nights and at the, uh, halfway through the nights, I'm like, oh, no, there's no point getting hit by a bus now. I like, I can live. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm already time. halfway through. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth it. I've suffered enough. <laughs> Might as well just see it through. Um, anyway. I, mean, maybe the, uh, I love, I, mean, I did enjoy the thread. Uh, I have enjoyed the comments there because there's something like, you know, brief resolving spell of DNV. Yeah. Uh, and then there was like, Oh yeah, it'd be nice to be like stabbed, shanked on the street. Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> so bad. So oh okay, but that's a bit of an exaggeration. But um, <laughs> but like, there's like some actually like quite like graphic ones. Like it's sad that people have had have had like have felt like this. Actually, mm. God it says yeah. a lot about morale in the NHS, doesn't it? That yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think um, so Emily Potch, she was saying, "Oh, this is a massive flag for red flag for burnout." Fair enough. Yeah, that you fantasise about, like, uh, ways to... I mean, in London, all you have to do is just smile at someone on the tube and you'd be strangled, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's just so easy. It's just, uh, I guess... Or maybe try to have a relationship with your neighbours and then you're found in their basement. In their bin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You find it in the bin, yeah. Let's move on to a lighter topic. So there's a, t- a, top, um, a tweet from Stephen Makin. And he says, okay, Medtritter, we have one FI1 starting tomorrow. I'll be her educational supervisor. We're inviting her to dinner at my house, uh, at our house with me, my wife, and a female friend who is staying with us and locoming. Would that be either lovely and welcoming or creepy and weird? And just to give you the, the kind of, well, the idea of the vote. So 510 people voted. Do you think it'd either be lovely and welcoming or creepy and weird? Which way do you go on this one? Oh God! I mean, uh. I, I think I felt I felt that it would be a bit. I find it weird, um, but I was definitely thinking about yeah. it from a, from perhaps living in the city where I said I said why don't you go to a restaurant or something and people are like mate there's like a Weatherspoons and that's it. 
So I don't um, know I'd be honest. I I think there's lots of things that you can do to make someone feel welcome. Yeah. And that does not involve inviting them to your house for dinner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like you could just show them around the board and buy them a coffee. I think that's probably as much as people hope for, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think out of those two options, there's no middle option, is there? No. So there's lovely and welcoming and creepy and weird. I mean, if there's a middle option, I'd go for the middle one. Maybe I'd go for coffee. lovely and weird or creepy and welcoming. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but I probably, if, I, if, if we're in the binary world that we live in, I'd probably yeah. have to vote for creepy Pick and weird. Pick a side. Pick a side. <laughs> but it is. And to be honest, like, like, Stephen Macon's, a, I think he's a consultant, isn't he? Like, he is. Like, he's not a geriatrician. Oh, he's one of ours. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's one of ours. Oh, I think he wrote one of the, my favourite Jerry's books. Was that him? Maybe that's something else. Um, but um, the real question is, it's like, wouldn't F1 want to talk to me? Like, what? I found that whenever I go for drinks with the F1s, it always just ends up with me lecturing them about, like, you know, how to be an F1. And, oh, no. Like, and, like, what it was like for me as an F1. And yeah. I'm just like, are they not? They probably, they probably just don't want to talk to me. Do you like, remember though when you were an F1 and you'd go on a night out and there'd be there'd be like the reg there and you'd always be like, oh, the reg is here. Do you remember feeling like that? I remember feeling yeah. like that. And so now I'm like, oh, I can't go out with them anymore because I worry that they'll be saying that about me. I think kind of after COVID, everyone just wants yeah. to socialize a little bit. But I'll be honest, if I I would be super, I would be a little bit. Uh, nervous about like having dinner with a consultant yeah do you know what i mean because like your experience is a little bit different like what do you talk about yeah. i don't know i just i mean like i mean Zerusha, as a reg now is there a consultant that you can think of that you could go for a one-on-one candlelit dinner with fine with your local friend and their wife no nah. one-on-one uh, uh, yeah um... maybe one on two maybe if there was like yeah. three if maybe it was like three people yeah um but yeah, I don't know. I would just I don't know if I'd feel like like even I mean, yeah, maybe that's not true now because actually there's a few people who are consultants but now my friends because we're regs together. Um but yeah, I think if I was an F one I'd I probably wouldn't feel like I, there's so many power gradients there, aren't there? I mean there's obviously the age, then there's the fact that you'll be working for them and they're your educational supervisor and I, I think I'd just be terrified. I'd be terrified. I don't even know. I don't think I'd eat. I'd just probably just sit there in silence, being like, where could I be dismissed, you know? Oh, I feel a bit weird there, because I thought, oh, 63% said lovely and welcome. Yeah! Oh, so uh, 500 votes as well. So that means, it's, yeah. you know, you know, 360, well, that's a lot of people. Gosh, you're invite my new F1 round for dinner then. I think so. Are you an education, when are you going to be an educational supervisor or do you have to be a consultant for a little while before you do that? Oh, no, you do a course. Or okay. like you, there's, I think like the different hospitals do it in different ways. Um, okay. um, do you think? Do you think you will? Um, yeah, no, I'll do it. Like I'd be a, you know, I've got to practice all my terrible feedback. Um, <laughs> yeah. <I'm pretty> <laughs> people. So, so. so what are you going to do? Are you going to take them out for coffee then when you meet them? Is that what you're going to do? No, I'm going to hire an Airbnb. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a fancy castle. Well, yeah, and then when they come That's in, I'm going to have like a trail of candles, like leading them <laughs> to the table, where yeah. um, it will just be a head, a horse of a head, uh, just lying there, like oh, an wow. like, Yeah, yeah. You know. no, 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 no. I mean, I actually, I'm just reading some of the responses, and actually, it, the idea comes from such a lovely place because, yeah. um, 
he said, you know, the idea of being alone in the residence seems grim. Yeah. Um, and then he said, I'll ask the assistant juniors if they're entertaining her tonight. Oh my God, that's actually really sweet. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I changed my mind. I'm going yeah. for lovely and welcoming now. I know. I think I, I wish I'd have read that. You know, I've wait, I like responded literally as soon as that tweet came out and now I wish I'd thought about it a bit more. And I was like, <laughs> what did you say? Were you like, that's weird. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I did. But like, I, I said, like, <laughs> I think it would have been better to go to a restaurant. I just completely didn't. I thoughtlessly replied, not thinking about where they were, the location. And so I was like, you know, surely just do something else a bit more. But um, kind of thinking about where that came from, it seemed like quite a sweet idea. But it is interesting because I think a lot of people have said, like, I think what we talked about, like, in a big city, it'd probably be a bit weird. But actually, if you're in an isolated rural area, not saying that you live in an isolated rural area, but um, um, when there's a community, when the community is smaller, actually to make those connections early is actually probably quite a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe it's my life of stranger danger. That's uh, yeah. I think uh, that's very reasonable. Like <laughs> living in London, you know, you got to be can't be too careful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on. So there were some. I feel like we, we should talk about everything that seems to be going on with like BMA and industrial action. But I think most recently there was the kind of whole debacle of um, the uh, student the living bursary stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to know exactly how to introduce that. This is something we actually kind of shouted out on the podcast like a few weeks ago. They messaged us saying, you know, like, and, you know, we agree, like, we want to encourage people to do medicine. And so the idea of having a bursary that kind of allows them to to kind of study medicine without having to worry about kind of um, living means and stuff is really important. And then just kind of got an insight, really, into stuff that was going on behind the scenes of that movement. And it's really quite kind of sad, really. There were some tweets that didn't... The, the problem is, I guess one of the problems with discussing it, though, is that one of the people involved seems um, kind of got the impression anyway that they feel like the response to all of that is like a pylon. But um, I, I kind yeah. of... I find that kind of a hard thing to swallow um, because there was some... Well, it looked like really quite unsavory behaviour that was kind of called out. And so I'm not sure it's necessarily reasonable to say if people are calling out bad behaviour, that that's a pylon. But uh, did you catch any of it? Um, kind of. Like, I kind of got bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. I mean, Tim, I don't think Tim was responding to a lot of it, so maybe I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> is he like the one account you follow? <laughs> so you get kind of like... I just feel like he's like, the, he's like in the middle of stuff. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. Whenever there's like stuff about... You know, if there's stuff affecting F1s and F2s, and if there's stuff about PAs, if there's stuff about industrial action, he is there. He is on it. But he's also quite funny. Yeah. But he's also there in those in those threads. And um, yeah, but it's like oh god, it's like a real t- uh, uh, Tim uh, fanboy uh, podcast. But like I like the mix of like serious and fun stuff that he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's one of my upcoming Twitter stars. Oh really? One for the future. <laughs> I thought yeah. Alan would be one, but then he kind of, but then he disappointed me. So, oh, has he gone off the boil? Oh, fair enough. Well, so he's gone, gone now. Is he? Um, huh. Well, actually, been a years still around, but he's one of my him and Ben Besco were my upcoming stars last year. Oh, really? It's like Oprah's book club. <laughs> Wait, where do I fit in that? Or am I just an old old hat now? You're an upcoming star, which okay. sounds like a weird way of saying. <laughs> that does. You're <laughs> in the sky. Already. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah, I'm there. Yes, you're already there. In right, my I made it. Thank you. Thank you. Shall we read out? No, I mean, no... So, go on. 
What are you going to re- read out the end? Um, I was going to read the... out the stuff. I mean, I was just going to move on, basically, because there was a tweet <laughs> that was... Just... Well, I don't know. I just don't know how to, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, there's some stuff that sounds a little bit litigious as well. And so I'm like, oh, do we mention it? Do we not mention it? The difficulty is, is that, yeah. No, what I was going to say was, all the, the NHS bursary stuff, it's such a passionate thing for people. Like, mm. you know, like, I really get it, actually. Like, you know, I'm not... I'm not in, you know, I, I'm not in the situation, but I understand why it's such a passionate thing. Yeah. And when passion is involved and people have different opinions about stuff, you know, oh, a bit like a, maybe the, you know, a bit like a, one of those joint cardiology, cardiothoracic MDTs that you guys have. Oh my gosh. People get really passionate about Very stuff. Mm. There is oh always going to be, there's always going to be some conflict. Yeah. And we can't expect everyone working towards actually what is a quite complex um, multifactorial uh, issue to all have the same opinions and go into it with the same goal and come out of it, you know, how one, six or seven months later, all with that same vision. That's it's such just a geriatrician. Such a geriatrician like answer there. That was just so multi, like multifactorial is very considered. I liked it. I'm all grown up now. I know. So I have to say is. stuff like that. So, yeah, I liked it. Um, but yeah, I, I get it. I get why you feel a bit weird. I get why you're talking about it. It's a bit weird because there was a lot of uncomfortable public infighting, right? Um, uh, which has kind of maybe made things a bit more. I don't know how to put it. I wouldn't say it stained it, but I think it certainly makes everyone feel a little bit more uncomfortable um, about the situation. I guess. Yeah, I think one of the tweets I kind of put in here was um, where I think a few of the founders or people who are kind of seem who are quite kind of um involved with the project have kind of stepped away from it so there's a kind of statement that came out from trisha penny and michaela who said they'd be stepping back from leading um, it, and they said that it whilst it's a cause close to our hearts we can no longer walk working good faith under its original format so they're going to continue to work for better medical student funding under the doctors association uk medical students committee fair enough yeah i suppose as long as they're kind of contributing in the way that makes them feel comfortable yeah absolutely i hope they can still do good work yeah i hope they all kind of um end up um you know they're all very kind of hard-working and passionate people i hope they kind of get somewhere with it because it is an important thing as you say um shall we move on so there was a tweet um from which is about pas and i feel like we should discuss that because it was it was terrible really um and it's there was some stuff from like a ba bma rep and it said PAs will have to work on our strike days, and that undermines industrial action. And I, know, I really didn't think about it that way when I, I mean, that's not how I thought about it to begin with, because I thought when we, when we strike, I think the, I, to, me, to my mind, and maybe I've like completely missed the part, I probably have, right, but was that it would cause a disruption mainly to elective work, but also it just kind of slowed things down, right? But there'll be still be people like when we uh, did the strikes back in 2016, the consultants, and at that time, like the kind of people who are not BMA members, they still worked, and they just kind of from things got by. It just took longer. They, you know, the consultants are doing the drug charts or whatever. And this time around, for industrial action, the PAs will be helping with that stuff. So, and so I think the when I saw that saying, "Oh, PAs will be undermining industrial industrial action." It made me think, oh, wow, these guys do feel really, really undermined by these people because they're essentially saying that people aren't going to notice that we're striking. Is that their point? And then the tweet also mentions SCAB 
well, I mean, they said that they would not call anyone a scab under any circumstances. It's a bit weird. Oh, what do you think? What do you think of all that? I mean, do you think do you think it's undermining? Do you think PA is undermined industrial action? I, I mean, do you think they should be striking as well? Is that what the implication of that was? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's like oh, it's kind. It's our fight at the end of the day. Mm. You know, we are. A, there's a huge amount of junior doctors who you know work here, and there are whether you like it or not, there are roles that are developing people that are going to overlap with what we do. But we are still a huge amount of people who will, you know, if all junior doctors went on a strike, um, that will still have an impact much, in my opinion, just about the same as if all junior doctors, PAs, advanced nurse practitioners all went on strike as well. Mm. But the junior doctor pay is, it's our fight to fight. And I don't know why we keep, uh, people are like, like, trying to suck in other people and other roles but the world that we live in now is that we have all of these allied professionals who are going who are who are doing stuff with us and i don't i don't know i don't know if i necessarily agree with the context that if they also don't strike that means they're against us Mm. um i think it's um yeah it's it's a bit of a strong it's a bit of a strong take yeah exactly I, I, I kind of always feel, sorry, sorry, um, I was going to say that, I always kind of feel that on, on Twitter, people, there seems to be a lot of negative perspectives about PAs and what they do, mm. but then when you meet them in real life, when you, you know, have a PA with you on your team, everyone absolutely loves them mm. and thinks like they're really great and they're a great part of the team. Um, so I, I think that us as ourselves, as junior doctors, are a bit confused about the role of a PA. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, Is that yeah. weird thing to say? No, not at yeah. all. I think it. I think it probably does speak to how. I. Th- I think you're probably there's probably an element of it like where if you don't have one, you know, if, uh, the, uh, then people do f- kind of fear them. And I think it probably also speaks to how poorly junior doctors feel of their situation. And by that I mean like I'd count as a junior doctor, right? We both do still. Um, and how negatively ne- negatively feel to the current situation that I guess people do then feel like an adversarial perspective to kind of everyone, I guess, because you feel so insecure in your own position. Uh, And I think maybe there's part of that. Um, uh, And I think if, if like junior doctors were paid more, I just, I just don't think they'd even be bothered about PAs because you'd be like, Oh yeah, no, no, they wouldn't. But I mean, I do get some of the concerns that other people had about, you know, like prescribing and requesting investigations um, and stuff like that and that's stuff that just needs to be ironed out yeah a little bit but like people saying shit like scabs i mean yeah i know it just seems so weird isn't it like we have to like vote on whether we do it or not and we have done those guys like why would they they haven't voted for that like and when we're doing it we have to also think about like how we're going to pay you know we're probably not going to get paid for that time i have to think about those things like so are they like it just is it's really complicated and just to be like oh if you're, you're either or not you're either with us or against us just seems like yeah. arbitrarily just kind of it just seems like unnecessarily divisive and yeah. um I, no and actually i don't know do you you remember last time we striked yeah. when was it 2015 was it 2016 i think yeah it was not as black and white as we're going to strike we're not going to strike like there were a lot of it was a complicated yeah. piece of work 
bad to keep the patient safe because no, I know everyone doesn't want patients to suffer and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but it was never, it was not black and white in any way. And I think trying to make it like, you know, us and them and black and white, that's it, like this tweet is trying to do, is not a good way of looking at it. Yeah. But also, after I watched Sherwood on BBC, <laughs> um, have you seen it? No. Oh my God, it's amazing. Really? So it's about the minor strike. They said the word scab in it about 5,000 times. Oh, wow, okay. Um, it's very, it's, it's, uh, watch it. Okay. Watch a couple of episodes of it. It's honestly, it's absolutely amazing. Okay. But you kind of see both, it, you, you have to be able to see both sides of the story, I guess. Mm. Oh God, it's a very old person thing to say. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like everyone's wrong, but everyone's kind of right. No, no, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Because I mean, that's, that's it, isn't it? Like that person isn't like, you know, I, I just I just feel like they're being unnecessary. I think it's just being extra. But I think the idea, I think the reason why they think that is, I don't know if they, maybe I'm just kind of um, making an unnecessary judgment. But as you say, back in 2016, when we uh, did the strikes then, we had to be very careful about what we were doing. And I think that was the other thing that seemed to come out of that discussion where they were like, oh, it's nothing to do with public opinion. Well, it kind of is. Like, this is trying to force the government and trying to force people to realise that, you know, we're serious and that, you know, we want to cause disruption, but also you, you want to cause, like, policy change. That's, I mean, I, I don't know what else they think is going to happen. Like, what else can, like, we're not going to strike and then just go off and form, like, another country somewhere, you know, like, or just, like, coalesce and then just... Oh, my God, can you imagine junior doctor I Yeah, exactly, with, like, a new flag and whatever. And our own, I don't know, it just... Yeah, we're going to take away, like, go take away Fiji. <laughs> oh, yeah, Fiji actually would be really well, nice weather, wouldn't it? All British doctors will now live on this. Yeah, island. exactly. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine? The- God, we would kill each other. <laughs> yeah, so It'd be like normal. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! Imagine trying to do a, a MDT in Fiji. What? Well, uh, I, it, all each other. I have a sneaking suspicion that the cardiologists would survive, though. I think. I think. It's- yes, they are the dominant yeah. ones. Aren't they? <laughs> they are simple, what is it, Darwinian. Yeah, uh, we'd just be ruthless. Biology stuff. We'd just like pretend to be yeah. like friends with everyone and then just like poison them all. We'd just do it in a really underhand way, where it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The cardiologist put digoxin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You... <laughs> you're right. See, you're onto it. Don't give me ideas. <laughs> but I just think that it just seems... And there was a kind of response to it um, from Matthew Scott. I really like his account. Um, and he said something along the lines of, so I've been a BMA member since I was a first year medical student. I'm a huge proponent of trade unionism and I support industrial action. I have found the way certain elected reps are talking about members they are supposed to represent to have been incredibly off-putting. This is a sentiment that I think will be very likely shared by some doctors, but at this time considering joining or rejoining. I think it's essential that the organisation takes immediate steps to take, get the comms on pay restoration under control. It's currently a mess. This isn't just you spouting out on social media anymore you're an elected representative of thousands of doctors across the country your your words will be taken as the words of the bma get a strategy get some agreed talking points and most importantly get a grip i mean it does I like you didn't say that. i didn't i'm you know it's the family show yes. but like it did remind me though of 2016 and can you remember there was all that stuff about like whatsapp groups and stuff and all this oh i'm being a bit political and then the newspapers they they like picked up on that and then when the time came they shot that out there and suddenly the process was undermined i remember that whole sinking feeling when all that stuff came out and i was like oh and i just kind of worried why don't was it like a, there was there was like a WikiLeaks. yeah literally there. like someone someone leaked the screenshots <laughs> of the whatsapp chats like who would do such a thing can you imagine this? Uh, yeah, it's actually that that Matthew has like 
that's quite a nice way of putting it actually isn't it yeah absolutely um i do like his account actually it's really good solid Matthew Wisehead. Yeah. Wisehead. You go Tim Ricketts. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Tim Ricketts, yeah. One day. Maybe is he like in the, I don't know. So if Tim Ricketts is up and coming. Would he be one of my Nehal's uh, book choices? Yeah, 2025 or something. Yeah, maybe. One to watch. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So let's move on to, so uh, Simon Lamy, he's a, he's a person who went to med school with me. So this is the tweet I've labeled theatre as an F2. So Simon Lamy, two of the most enjoyable things in my job is ringing the F2 to get to theatre for an overnight case or seeing a face smile wide at seeing their name on PubMed for the first time for a project published. Britain is losing F2s and we can do a lot better. The excuses are a reflection of a highly corrosive and negative attitude, which does nothing to inspire some of Britain's most expensively trained minds to believe they can develop ideas, concepts and initiatives to ultimately help patients. And um, I liked Vishesh's reply. He said, I still fondly remember when I was in F1 on nights receiving a call which simply said, Sankaran laparotomy, Sankaran is his uh, surname. This sort of interactions are far too rare. But um, did you have interactions with that that kind of inspired you when you were in F1? Do you remember? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I remember spending most of my time trying to not go to theatre. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember once, um, this is like an opposite story to what you've actually asked me to, <laughs> but once I, I was, just, I was like an F2 in like one of those, uh, in a surgical clinic. Right. Um, it was like one of those gallstones ones where everyone um, um, comes in with, a, I don't know, gallstones. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, um, yeah. And I booked a, a patient, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, but I booked a patient in for a, a lap coding uh, because I thought that's just what you meant to do. And the patient ended up being quite like a like quite big. They're quite like you know BMI was like very very large and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> that wouldn't have been the right procedure for me to to book them in for. I and then I put them in, and the consultant was like, "Why the hell did you do that?" Hmm. And then forced me to come to that theatre where I had to hold the retractors. No way! The entire time, and I overheard someone say, "Oh God, it's him!" And I was oh. like, "Yes, okay, I'm small, but but yeah, no." That was not a positive interaction. No, that's awful. Um, that's the corollary, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but, you know, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, it was a mistake. I own it. You know, that's cool. Uh, you know, I'll do whatever you want. But I spent most of my time trying to get out of theatre because, I, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. But it just was like a really amazingly kind of um, inspiring moment in F1 where I felt, I don't know, I just really enjoyed all my medical jobs, actually. Mm, fair enough. I don't think it, I had some really amazing consultants when I was F1 who were just so cool. Uh, I was in like this DGH where um, I just had some like really amazing interactions with the consultants who, like, oh God, maybe they inspired me actually. Uh, I mean, they probably, I mean, they did because that's why I chose to call medicine then. Mm. So. But I can't think of a specific interaction which was like, oh, yeah, this has made me. Yeah, this, this is the moment that's kind of steered me into that direction. I think it was just lots of different interactions. I see. So do you not feel like there wasn't a particular moment where it kind of crystallised for you that you are going to do Jerry's? Was it kind of like a gradual process then? Like, did you do it as an F1? When did you do it? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I chose Jerry's purely out of a process of elimination. Yeah. Um, uh, because to me, I had a good work-life balance and it was general and there wasn't me like having to learn all these guidelines because you could kind of just look at the person in front of you hmm. and make a good decision based on what they want and it's quite practical you know, sounding who there are the people i quite liked that aspect of it so um, what was in the ballpark 
So what else did you can kind of consider? Or what did you, when you say eliminate, so what did you, what did you kind of eliminate? Oh, oh, gastro. Oh, gastro. Oh, okay. Yeah, but then I then it was, I thought it was too hard, so I just decided. But I, okay. you know, obviously, you know, bang on about playing PS5 all the time. I did an <laughs> endoscopy course, and I was really good at it, actually. I know, hey! Oh. Yeah, gastro. Yeah, I hit that terminal island, like, within minutes. Wow. So... <laughs> yeah, so I am one of flex. Gastro was on the card. I think everyone flirts with the idea that they want to do ID in tropical medicine because everyone wants to do that sexy degree from you know so, uh, the London School oh, of yeah. Tropical Medicine. Oh yeah, that's not um, God. Uh, is that SOAS? No, I don't know why I said it. But it's when you <laughs> talked about like fashionable, and then I thought of SOAS for some reason. It was quite fashionable. No, do you remember like? Like five, like ten years ago, everyone wanted to do that degree. Yeah, like yeah, literally, okay. everyone I knew had done. Yeah, it's so random. Um, like, I think I knew like a few radio, not in RAN, but I think I know people who have done like radiology or like RAN like specialties, but they also did that degree. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, did you have a did you have like a a shining moment in F one where a kind registrar looked upon you and said, "Tarisha, come and do this angiogram." No, I didn't have that. I do. I do remember though, like when I first when I started as an F one. I think I started on call pretty soon after. And I had two experiences with cardiology regs, and they're both kind of opposites. Like, but the first one I had was like I had a patient who had. I think I remember they had like epilepsy. That like, sticks in my mind. They had epilepsy, and I think they'd gone into AF, and they think they were septic. So they had three things wrong with them, and that was three too many things. Like I needed one thing, and because there are three, I was just like I don't know what to do. Do like I'm just completely terrified. And um, I remember, like when you when you uh, so it was like a, I was in acute medicine. I was in a, a the AMU, so it was like an admission. And you know there'd be the diagnosis section, and I wouldn't fill it in because I was like I'm too. I don't know that. Why would anyone appreciate like think of? Well, why would anyone consider my impression of a diagnosis or take that seriously? So I just wouldn't fill it in. And I remember like because I was a post taking and being like you haven't written a diagnosis, and I was like oh, I didn't realize that I'm. I'm a person who's supposed to be making a diagnosis yet. Like, I didn't think that was allowed. And so I remember, like, call. so for one patient who seemed kind of a bit sick, I called the medreg. And I remember that feeling of, like, relief when the medreg came to, like, see my patient and be like, you know, oh, like, like it'll be okay, like, the medreg is here. And I do remember thinking to myself, oh, wouldn't it be nice if people felt that way when I turned up? And I, that's definitely something that kind of stuck with me. And I definitely, I think, quite early on, I realised that I was kind of, always going to be a medic like I just didn't find yeah. when I was with surgeons and then 10 years me. later Tarisha you turn up and people are like oh god god is him oh god, god. Oh, god. yeah uh, I, I still like, uh, is a you know Vizesh is a Sankaran laparotomy yeah like like these days when people be like Gunawadra <laughs> pacemaker <laughs> para <laughs> DNAR um <laughs> But what I should be doing with the F ones now? Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> second name, urine MCNS, please. No, there's no please either. If I no. went to my F one and just said second name, collateral. <laughs> yeah, it, has, it doesn't, doesn't sound like quite what? so West Wing, does it? It doesn't sound quite so yeah. like what uh, the word <laughs> is. I'm sure there's something. I'm sure you inspire them. I'm sure you do. Like, I think I, I like to think that I'm now the inspiring person. Yeah, exactly. So it's not so much like the things to do, it's the person to be like, right? Because that's the that's what I always tell juniors. I'm, like when they're, well, when I tell um, medical students about choosing a career and they're like, oh, I don't know how to choose it. I'm always like, look at the personalities of the people who are doing the specialties because those are people you're going to be working with. And so I think that's really important. 
It's sad though, isn't it? Because you might end up being put off specialties that you like the kind of concepts of by the personalities that seem to gravitate towards it. But let's be honest. But I mean, like, there are lots of uh, there've been quite a lot of these. Um, I did this. Uh, I did a bit of research about career stuff. Um, right. Because I did this talk for the RCP about how to be a good medreg. Right. Um, which actually was more about kind of how to look after yourself as a medreg rather okay. than that's very important. You know, being the classic good medreg, which is like we say yes to everything and you know always be there for everyone at all times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Enter the multiverse uh, <laughs> as much as possible. Absolutely. Uh, when you're yeah. a medreg, yeah. um, and there were I looked at a few of these um, kind of like I was just looking at some leadership stuff and there was like there's quite a lot of surveys done that show that at the beginning stages of your career that you are heavily influenced by the seniors around you. And that makes sense, you know, doesn't it? It's like growing up with your mum and dad, like they're going to influence you when you're growing up. Why on earth would a reg and consultant and the way they behave and how they are and how happy they are or how sad they are, of course that would influence you to, to, to do whatever. But apparently the way to inspire people now is just to uh, say their second name and then, uh, uh, give them and then follow up with a random medical work. That's true. So, oh my god, you're gonna have to add that to your add that to your lecture. <laughs> that's that's way to inspire now. <laughs> Can't um, wait to practice that on my nights. Yeah, SHO yeah. seizure. <laughs> yeah, drug history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, like, yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, well, we're kind of coming up to time, but there are a few things that I was desperate to get your opinion on. Um, they're kind of lighthearted topics, though. So did you see there was a uh, topic from uh, No Context Brits and it said that you can only save three. So KFC, McDonald's, Toby Carvery, Burger King, Pizza Hut, Pizza Express, Weatherspoons, thank God, Greg's, Domino's, Wimsy. Yeah, he still chose Frankie and Benny, didn't he? Yeah, I know. It's bonkers, isn't it? He said, I'll nationalise it. I mean, it's <laughs> just, I think he's 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 got a big account. He's got responsibilities. He can't be tweeting nonsense like that. But for serious answers, though, do you have a serious answer if you're going to pick three? Interested to know. Can I oh, guess gosh. what your three of you? I think I, you strike me as someone who's probably a bit. You're a bit of a food snob, aren't you? Like I imagine you probably don't eat crab that much. I mean, I had pizza for dinner. Yeah, but, but to be fair, I made. The, uh, there you go. In your so own pizza oven. No, just the uh, oven. But I do want a pizza. Yeah, I know. There's one of those co- <laughs> Komodo ones. It's so lush. It's a, the pizza oven is like the middle class. Yeah, 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 I really, I would love one. They're like three hundred. <laughs> but anyway, so of these, what would you pick? Would you? Uh, I'm going to guess which ones you'd pick. What do you yeah, guess? So yeah, I guess, feel like you'd guess. pick Pret. Although I think I feel like Pret is not as. What's the other one? Eat. Is it eat the other one? I feel like Pret. You'd be like okay of those Pizza Express, and you'd probably have like a. I think you'd probably throw a Greg's in there just to show that you're one of the people. That is a. Extremely incorrect. Oh, no! Uh, yeah. well, so what do you pick? Well, let me do you first. Oh, okay. Since you're a man of the people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Toby Carvery, oh. to keep the kids there. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of selection there. Uh, <laughs> uh, your rock bottom post-night shift Greg's. Um, <laughs> and then you're with the lads five guys. Actually, oh, yeah. So you got one out of three. I've never actually eaten anything from Greg's before. Never, ever. Oh, okay. Apparently, like, it's sort of wrong. I, mean, I just don't fancy it. Seems a bit... Uh, yes, yeah, it's all right, I guess. It's very... Um... Mate, I've got to be I've got to be honest. Like, whenever I go in there, I often see, like, builders and stuff in there, and I feel really, like, intimidated by, like, the laddishness of Greg's. Like, it seems like a laddie place, and I just know I wouldn't <laughs> Literally, that's how I feel like 
I couldn't walk into <laughs> toxic masculinity <laughs> yeah, pervaded right. into a vegan sausage roll. <laughs> oh, do they? Oh, yeah, they do do that, don't they? So maybe I'd go in just. So what were your ones then? Uh, five Guys, uh, Wagamamas. Um, I like Wagamamas. I like noodles and Nando's sticks. Chicken. Okay. But uh, what are yours? I'm desperate to know. Uh, Pret, because I think they're. I said Pret. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Then you also said um, you said Pizza Express. I'm yeah. Like, what? What? Like, Pizza Express makes amazing place in the world. No way. Oh, okay. Um, honestly, it'd be it'd probably be Pret McDonald's Nando's. Ah, uh, fair enough. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm on board. What made you? Pick I feel McDonald's like Nando's is like universally enjoyed by everyone. I think so. I oh, know, but I remember kind of um, there were some people like oh, I don't get what the fuss is about and whatever, and I'm like oh, but it's so like. I don't know. I think it's kind of a wholesome place. You know, uh, so do you remember, the, this is, okay, this is going to sound like a really odd question, but do you remember the first Nando's you had or not? Has it not made a big influence in your life like it has for me? No, no, I don't know. I absolutely remember. Where was chicken, it? Chicken, chips and coleslaw. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I like remember when Nando's like, opened in Edgware and like my Oh, family, like, oh, sorry. Okay. You know, like, and uh, like my parents, we kind of treated it like, it was like a posh restaurant. We like all got dressed up and we went, I was like, oh, they've got boneless drinks. It's really nice. And we all kind of like went there as a family. And that was like a thing. I remember the first Nando's. We, we did that with, I think we did that with Wagamamas. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Enough. I think that yeah. was considered like, oh, wow, we're sitting in a canteen style restaurant. It's true. Now I can't imagine anything worse than sitting next to strangers in a restaurant. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. I, do, I mean, that does, I mean, that's probably why I haven't been in such a long time. Just having to sit like really close. And then you kind of put your coat like under the table, like on a little hot. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Like, yeah. that's, and I don't yeah. like that thing, you know, where the food all comes out at different times. Yeah. Just like, just, just like give me a star in Maine. Okay. Do yeah, a small like, plate, large plate me. Absolutely. Like, you know how long each dish will take to make, so can you not just stagger it so they all <laughs> finish at the same yeah, time? Yeah, can't you just bring them all out at the same time so we can all yeah. eat together? Because I've had dinner, I've had, like, lunch and dinner where I go before where I've eaten my meal and my, then my, like, my friends' ones come. They're just like, well, oh. can't you just, like, time it better, please? Yeah, exactly. I'd rather not eat my well, food. Well, it's a weird Nando shower, but there's, like, a new smoky flavour. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I've had that. Love Have it. you tried it? Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Oh, okay. Okay, that'll be my... Maybe more order next. Yeah, yeah, we have it like every two weeks. So it's quite oh nice. yeah, yeah, it's it's like a once weekly thing that we have to have here. Yeah. Weirdly enough, it's like it's literally like five minutes down the road from us, and we oh, could walk wow. there, but that seems unfathomable. So we'll always get it on delivery. <laughs> <It's different. laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, like <laughs> Um, and the last thing that well, yeah, I think that's probably the last thing because we are kind of like over now is um. Uh, Fessel, can I get you to read that one out? It's the bottom one, just just above medical life. I've highlighted it. When I was a geography teacher, I used to have world map on my class wall. Students were bringing unused foreign currency for me to stick to as many countries as possible. At end of the year, would take decent notes to post office to exchange for beer money. No, no, no. <laughs> People are funny, aren't they? They're like <laughs> so random, right? I think that's quite a good good little money spinner. That is literally. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Is it like why would you want to talk about this tweet? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, I don't know. Is this how is, is how can we do this to, to F one? I think so. I think I don't know why I put that in. I think it, was, it literally just been posted beforehand, and I tried to always put one in, but um, uh, the rest of them t- kind of seem like a little bit like risque. No, just like a bit mean. Um, for, <laughs> exa- 
For example, annoyed my husband fell asleep, leaving me to deal with the kids in the heat alone, watched the one-year-old grab a plastic golf club, crawl over to him, climb up and hit him in the face. Felt good. Is that oh. Okay. <laughs> Actually, you know, speaking of, of this coins one, I mm. did once ask if someone would, uh, you know, like uh, I was leaving a job and I was like, I asked one of my friends to do a collection for me. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I was in like for oh, a present. Like, yeah, like, I was like, oh, you know, why don't you go? I said, I, said, I said to one of my friends, why don't you go around to all the ward sale, Mel's leaving? Um, would you like to donate to his collection? Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get at least like a thousand pounds. Obviously, I think people are a bit like, it's a bit weird to do a collection for a guy <laughs> uh, who works on a completely different wall that I've only interacted with months. Through round um, drug chart, yeah. So then, how much did he get? Yeah. How much did he get? Do you know? Oh, it didn't take it felt forward. I think uh, it'd be a bit untasteful no. to, uh, distasteful, sorry, to, uh, to, ask for a, to ask for a collection. Oh, I thought you could follow through. Oh, man. But I mean, um, what's the best? No, I, I remember you saying you got you seem to have gotten some quite nice leaving gifts, which I think is like it's quite rare to get a leaving gift at all. But you've had some quite nice ones, I remember. Oh yeah, I've had I've had like really really nice ones actually. Um, uh, last year was my best year by far. Um, my boss bought me what that Lamy two thousand, oh, which wow. is like like, a, like this one hundred and sixty pound fountain pen. <gasps> Um, wow! I bought him a sweater. Oh, how much was that? We both like that was a hundred quid. Oh wow! But we oh. both really liked. We both like spend our lunch times talking about our favorite style of sweater. Um, really? So what brand was mountain that? Bed. I mean, I just love a quarter zip. You know, like do you know what I mean? It just like comes oh, down. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I just love it. I just think it just looks great with everything. Um, <laughs> I think we have like, really in-depth conversations about fountain pens and quarter zip jumpers. Fair enough. Um, wow. So I bought him a quarter zip. He bought me a fountain pen. But the veggies last year were amazing. They put, they actually did do a collection for me. For the winter oh. consultants and all the doctors and stuff like that. And um, uh, bought me a bottle of champagne. Loads of like, like a really nice bottle of champagne. Right. Um, like a vintage from 2002. Uh, that was very expensive uh, and a whole load of other stuff um, and then some of the consultants put some money behind a bar so the, all of us could go for a drink oh that's nice um, yeah Phil uh, contributed which was actually really sweet of him oh. um, and then there was a mug with all of their faces on it uh, oh. so I've got Phil's face in on my mug oh. uh, in the kitchen yeah what more could you want so, what more could you ask for what was the best gift you got then I haven't got that many. I think people are kind of glad to see me go. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I got I get cards. I've got a bottle of whiskey. That was from a patient, though. I've never actually got from a consultant. I got like a bottle of port for Christmas. I've never. I don't think I've ever got a leaving gift. Mate, what am I doing wrong? Theresia. I know. Yeah. That's oh, actually well. that's actually quite sad. It's quite sad, isn't it? There you go. Yeah. Treat me mean or something. <laughs> Maybe, but I'm still I'm still here. So. But maybe that's why you're so much better, well-adjusted than I am. So I never got any leaving gifts. God. Only the last few years, you know. <laughs> yeah, so maybe. Like, uh, I was just kind of like, you just like, you know, you just like pushed along the, the circuit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, when I finished core medical training, I got um, a few quite nice things. Oh, right, right. Okay, okay. They need... Jesus, all right. But my, my leaving gift to... But my leaving gift for the last few years... To all the consultants I really like loved 
uh, has always been a framed picture of me. No <laughs> uh, And they all really, uh, they all, it's a gag at the end of the day, isn't it? So, um, yeah. But the one that I gave my boss last year was right. in black and white. It genuinely looked like I oh, died. Wow. Yeah, it was like, it was, it was like yeah, a picture that'll be at my funeral sort oh. of picture. Yeah. Can I have a colour one for my next birthday? A colour one? You want me to send you a picture of myself? Of yourself, yeah. To you for your birthday? Yeah, for my birthday. In a nice frame, though. I don't want just a picture. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about that now. Um, cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been a blast. Look, it's been an hour and 20 minutes. So at least then if we decide that we want to cut stuff out, then that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, I've had fun. Um, and what else What else does Imran say at the end of these things? Um, like, look after each other, live long and prosper. Do you have any words of wisdom that you want to leave, like, end this with, Mehul? Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Respect. Nice. Be kind to yourself. You <laughs> got kind. this. <laughs> you got uh, this. Um, bicep emoji. Yeah, you know, the usual stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a person at the other side of the Twitter account. Please don't pile on. Be kind. So be kind. Okay. Open your bowels every day. Open your bowels. Be angry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eat yeah. vegetables. Always right. aim for a type five stool every day. And that <laughs> would be true. Straw coloured urine is the aim. Yeah, etc. Okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Take care. See you next week.